So if you would, would you grab your Bibles? Grab your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the rack in front of you. If you'd take a Bible and if you'd open it up to Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. This morning we're gonna be continuing our study in the book of Philippians. And I hope, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I have loved being able to go through this book of Philippians, this letter that Paul writes to the Philippian church and he writes to you and me as well. It has been I mean, it's been a great journey for me. I hope it has been a great and encouraging journey for you as well. I also want to mention, I don't know if you remember this, but early on, I think it was the first Sunday that I encouraged you in your fight for joy to read through the book of Philippians at least once a week. You may have forgotten that. If you have, I'm gonna give you that encouragement again this morning. In our fight for joy, it's important to look at this letter as a letter to occasionally read it all the way through to understand kind of the totality of the message at one period of time. So if you forgot that or if you didn't start, my encouragement is once a week, read through the book of Philippians. This morning, we're gonna be focusing on verses 19 through 30. So follow with me as I read these verses. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also a messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Now, I'm curious. I'm curious. Is anyone's favorite verse found in this passage? Have any of you pulled your life verse out of Philippians 2, 19 through 30? It's exciting stuff, isn't it? I'm sure. No. There's not one of you who has pulled your life verse out of Philippians 2, 19 through 30. None of your favorite verses are found in this text this morning. In fact... To be honest, at first reading, this is a bit mundane. In fact, it's more than a bit mundane. This is a bit of a letdown. Think about where Paul has taken us over the last number of weeks. He has called us to be servants for Jesus Christ. He's called us to be slaves for Jesus. He's called us through this wonderful prayer to live our lives for Jesus. He's called us to express gratitude because he himself expressed gratitude for the Philippian church. He told us, he exhorted us to live our lives, to recognize that adversity in our lives is for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's powerful stuff. 
He's called us, you and me, to live in unity through humility, to work out our salvation, to live worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That amazing Christ hymn, he describes Jesus and Jesus' humility and calls us to something more, to shine, to shine like stars in the sky, working out our salvation with fear and trembling and without grumbling or arguing. That's inspiring. It's moving. It's majestic. And here we have a travel itinerary. He's like, really? Seriously? Paul, aren't you supposed to kind of keep us rising up the mountaintop? But we have a travel itinerary. So this past week, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Maybe we should just skip this. We can just jump on. There's a lot more exciting passages to come. We can think about the unity we have with Jesus or how we live in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Or maybe we can just jump to the part of the peace that we can experience with God. But if we had done that this morning, we would have missed what God wants for you and for me this morning. Because there's a message for each one of us in this text this morning. You see, God is calling us through this text to be more like Jesus. See, in, this, in these verses, Paul moves from instructing us how to live to illustrating for us how we are to live. It's said that Christianity is more caught than taught. So what Paul does here is he gives us two role models he identifies two individuals who are living their lives for Jesus Christ. They're living their lives to make Jesus look good. He shares with us these two friends of his, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Now, it's not that we have a lack of role models. There are a lot of potential role models out there. We have people within our culture, we have politicians, we have athletes, we have business people who are out there influencing our culture. Closer to us, we have teachers, we have coaches, we have our own mentors who are, who, are, who are living lives and trying to impart some level of direction and wisdom upon our lives. There are many potential role models out there. That's not the problem. The issue is, is who is going to be your role model? It's finding the right role model. And it's not only finding the right role model, it's being the right role model, which we're going to get to later. But here in this text this morning, Paul identifies two excellent role models, Timothy and Epaphroditus, role models we should imitate and emulate in order to make each one of us more like Jesus. See, Paul earlier instructed us to walk worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He told us to shine like stars. And this morning, he's going to conclude this section of the book of Philippians by giving us these two examples for how to live, these two role models. First, we have Timothy. Let's think about Timothy a little bit. Timothy is, had to be one of Paul's closest friends. He writes about 
Timothy that he is a true son in the faith. He's my son, my spiritual son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. Timothy and Paul have this very close relationship. Paul was instrumental in leading Timothy to faith in Jesus Christ. Timothy comes from a culturally mixed background. His grandmother and his mother were Jewish believers. They were Jewish followers of Jesus Christ, and his dad was Greek. And out of this childhood, Timothy comes to receive Jesus and decide to live his life for Jesus Christ. He's this wonderful individual that Paul partners with. He's a loyal companion of Paul as a faithful, devoted follower of Jesus Christ. We also know about Timothy that he was kind of sickly and he had stomach issues. Paul instructs him, he says, hey, have a little wine for your stomach issues and because you're sickly. It's a verse my grandma knew fairly well. I remember she used to have this bottle of wine tucked back into her cupboard and I found it one day and she said, oh, Tommy, that's because I have stomach issues. I'm kind of like Timothy. (laughs) I thought to myself, yeah, you're kind of like Timothy. But back to Timothy, loyal, devoted, partner with Paul in the mission of Jesus Christ. And Paul identifies him as a role model. Now, this is interesting what Paul does here about Timothy. Paul doesn't kind of share with us Timothy's achievements. He doesn't give Timothy accolades for the things that he's done. He doesn't say or speak about how many churches Timothy has spoken at, how many people he's even led to the Lord. He doesn't talk about Timothy's charismatic personality or charm or excellence in public speaking. Instead, he does something very interesting. Not talking about achievements, not talking about what he's done. He talks about who Timothy is. He shares with us Timothy's godly character. Look at what he does. Look at beginning in verse 20. We're going to look at Timothy in the way that Paul describes him. The first thing we see about Timothy is that he's special. Look at verse 20. Paul says that he has no one else like him. Wouldn't you love it if somebody said that about you? If one of your friends said, "Ah, there is nobody else like Tom. If your wife said there is nobody else like, if my wife said there is nobody else like, she said she does. (laughs) See, Timothy is special to Paul. It's the idea, the words that are used here, the phrase has the Greek word equal and the Greek word soul. It's the idea of equal souls, of soulmate. It's a reference to a special bond, a special relationship. It's like the bond that King David had with Jonathan. Soulmates. There's no one else like him. Timothy's special. Look at verse 20 continues. Not only is there no one else like him, who who will show genuine concern for your welfare? See, Timothy is, is genuine. He's real. He's authentic. There's no shadow of a doubt with Timothy. The word genuine means natural or legitimate. You see, Timothy's interest was in the welfare of the Philippians. And it's a sign of his compassion. It's a sign of his authenticity. He's a true shepherd because he cared for these people. 
This word reveals that he was concerned to the point of being burdened. So Timothy's special, he's genuine. Third, he was focused. He's focused on Jesus, not himself. Look at verse 21. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Paul is telling us here that Timothy's number one focus, number one focus was Jesus. Timothy was not pursuing his own goals apart from Jesus. He was seeking the Lord first, serving others on the behalf of Jesus Christ. Fourth, he was faithful. Look at verse 22. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Timothy has proved himself. This means proof after testing. He was tested, tried, and true. Timothy has survived. He's even thrived in difficult circumstances, in times of trial, in times of difficulty, in times of persecution. Timothy has continued to remain faithful. He's currently, as we read this, in Rome with Paul. He's been to Thessalonica. He's been to Corinth. He's been to Ephesus. These are not easy places to minister. Yet Timothy over time, continually proves faithful. And then finally, look at the end of verse 22. Saw it earlier, but it says, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Fifth and finally, Timothy is a servant. Now notice that Paul did not say, Timothy served me in the work of the gospel. He said, Timothy served with me in the work of the gospel. See, they were a team serving Jesus together. They gave of themselves to serve Jesus and to care for others. He had surrendered his own personal plans to serve with Paul. See, Timothy is committed to following Jesus and serving others in Jesus' name. He's a person who's committed to faithful obedience, which makes him a servant. See, what Paul does here is he holds up Timothy. He holds up Timothy and he says to you and he says to me, look at him. Look at Timothy. Look at how Timothy demonstrates these godly characteristics and not only look at it, but see how he does it, think like he does, and do what he does. He holds him up as a role model for you and for me. Well, Timothy, Timothy is a name that is familiar to each one of us. His name is all over the New Testament. Epaphroditus, that's another story. We only read of Epaphroditus here in the book of Philippians. And Epaphroditus is a generally just kind of a normal guy. He had to be somewhat outgoing. He had to be somewhat friendly. He had to be somewhat energetic because the Philippian church sends him on a mission. They send him to Rome to take a gift to Paul. They're taking a financial gift to Paul so that Paul can survive while he is under house arrest. So Epaphroditus takes up the challenge and he travels to Rome with this gift for Paul. But while he's in Rome, he becomes ill, he becomes sick. And we're told that his sickness is fairly serious. 
We're told it's so serious that he almost died. Now, we don't know what, what, was, what was ailing him, but we do know that it had to be a significant illness and it had to last a fairly long time because it lasted long enough for news of his sickness to get back to Philippi and for the Philippians to then respond to his sickness. And remember, this is not a time of phones or text and the snail mail was really, really snail mail. Took a long time so he was sick for a very long time. Yet Paul says about Epaphroditus, he does somewhat very, something very similar as to what he does with Timothy. And Timothy, remember, he holds him up and he says, look at him, make him a role model. And he's gonna do the same thing with Epaphroditus. He's gonna say to you and to me, look at Epaphroditus. And look what he says about Epaphroditus, verse 25. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. Now let's look at how Paul describes Epaphroditus. First, he describes him as my brother. Epaphroditus is a brother. See, when you become a Christian, you not only have a new relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you enter into a new family. God adopts you into his family and when you're adopted into a family, one of the benefits of becoming part of the family is you have new brothers and you have new sisters. You see, other followers of Jesus Christ are also brother or sister in the faith. So you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're part of God's family. And so we're brothers and we're sisters in the Lord. And Paul is saying here, Epaphroditus is my brother. But it's not only a mark of new identity, there is a mark of affection that he has for him as well because within a family, there is affection between brothers. There is affection between siblings. And Paul is acknowledging his affection towards Epaphroditus because they're brothers. Second, Paul calls him a co-worker. See, they labored together in the same ministry, the same mission. Now, yes, Paul is more visible. He's more upfront but he refers to Epaphroditus as a co-worker because they're involved in the same mission. They're striving for the same purpose as equals. They work together for the cause of Jesus Christ. Third, Paul identifies him as a fellow soldier. You see, I'm not the only one that uses war examples. Paul does as well. It's one of Paul's favorite illustrations to describe the Christian life, recognizing that we are in a spiritual battle. So Paul refers to Epaphroditus as his fellow soldiers. You see, they're in the battle together. They're in a spiritual war, and Paul recognizes Epaphroditus as his fellow soldier. Now, in the next two descriptions, of Epaphroditus, Paul looks more to Epaphroditus' relationship with the Philippian church. Look at the next two descriptions. Paul focuses on what Epaphroditus is called to do. It says first that he was a messenger. He was sent on a mission to convey the love of Jesus and the love of the Philippian church to Paul. 
You see, he was called to bring to Paul a gift, to travel 800 or so miles to bring a financial gift to Paul. He's a messenger of the love of God. It also says that he was sent to take care of my needs. So he was a minister. That's what it means to be a minister, to take care of another person's needs. This doesn't refer to a position, but it refers to a particular function or service. Epaphroditus served God and the church by serving others by taking care of Paul's needs. Paul offers five wonderful descriptions of Epaphroditus. These are things that would be great on somebody's tombstone. Brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, messenger, and minister. Paul holds up Epaphroditus and he says, look at Epaphroditus. Look at his godly characteristics, these godly traits that he demonstrates. He's a role model, imitate him, emulate him. There's also something very remarkable to me about Epaphroditus. Look at the type of love and compassion that he displayed. Look at verse 26. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Now this is remarkable to me. Epaphroditus is the one who is sick, yet he's the one who is distressed because the Philippian church heard that he was sick. There's no self-focus here. There's no self-pity. And he's really sick. Look at verse 27. We're told that he almost died, but he's not concerned about himself. He's thinking about them. When I'm sick, all I want to do is curl up a ball in a ball in my bedroom and have chicken rice soup from Russ's. And Epaphroditus is more concerned with the Philippians than he is with himself. He demonstrates love and compassion. See, in this text this morning, we have much more than a travel itinerary. God, through Paul, has called us to live worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to shine like stars, working out your salvation with fear and trembling. And to help us in that journey, he gives us two examples, two role models that help us live our lives to make Jesus look good. It's a beautiful picture of what it means to follow Jesus, to see these two men to learn something about their character, the character God looks for, in order so that we can look to them to be more like Jesus. But why this morning? Why does God have us here this morning? Yes, it's the next flow, it's the next text in the book of Philippians, but why now? Why today? It's because of the ultimate message that he has for us this morning at Calvary Church and for particularly for you individually. And that message is that your life matters. Your life matters. 
You see, God has called you to salvation in Jesus Christ. He has given you life through Jesus Christ, and he has called you to purpose. The purpose is to make him look good in everything you do and you say. And through Timothy and Epaphroditus, he gives us these role models so that we can live out the life that he has called us to because your life matters. You see, so often we read the book of a of Philippians and we think about Paul we think about this great hero of the faith who is doing all these things and we think to ourselves I could never be like Paul but you see he gives us this glimpse of Timothy and Epaphroditus to tell each one of us that yeah it's not all about Paul it's about you your life matters so in the application what does that look like How do we work this thing out that our life matters based upon this text? I have four applications this morning as we close out. First application, find the right role model. Find the right role model. You see, every one of us has people in our lives that we admire. Every one of us has people in our lives that we admire. And when you admire someone, It means you look up to them, that you like the things they do, you like the way they think. And what ends up happening, either consciously or subconsciously, is we look to the people that we admire and we start to think like those people. We start to act like those people. If you think about it, a number of weeks ago, Clarence was up and he gave an illustration about Michael Jordan and he showed the Gatorade commercial about Be Like Mike. And it resonated with many of us because many of us went through a phase in our lives where we wanted to be like Michael Jordan. And if you wanted to be like Michael Jordan, you wanted to think like Michael Jordan. You wanted to do the things that Michael Jordan could do. So what did you do? You would practice dribbling. You'd practice passing. You'd practice shooting. You'd, you'd lift to bulk up, to beef up. And when you went to the hole, you'd hang your tongue out. Now, maybe Michael Jordan is too old and an example. So you're thinking about Devin Booker and you want to be like Devin Booker or you want to be like CP3. But the point is exactly the same. If one of them are your role model, you're going to think like them or you're going to not only think like them, but you're going to come to act like them. If your role model is a business, business, is a wealthy business person, maybe your role model is Elon Musk and you think to yourself, wow, Elon Musk is incredibly creative and he's concerned about the environment. So he starts this electric car company and he's going to send somebody out into space and I kind of want to be like Elon Musk. I want to... And you start to think like him. And you start to act like him. Or maybe your role model is a politician. Now, I don't know why your role model would be a politician. (laughs) But granted, it could be a politician. You may want to do good things for our society, for our communities. Maybe you want to be like Joe Biden or you want to be like Ron DeSantis. But what will happen is you will start to, if those are the people you admire, you will start to become like those people. You will start to think like them and you will start to act like them because you admire them. They become your role model. They become the person who influences you. But it's a bit more complicated than that. It's a bit more complicated than looking at the people we admire or identifying a role model. It's a bit more complicated because I'd also like you to consider Your role models are often the people you spend the most time with. They end up being the person who influences you. And by default, that's a role model. 
And what I'm thinking about here is more of our virtual connections. Not so much our personal, not so much even the papers or TV or the people we live with, but the virtual connections we have. And I want to ask you, who is it that you spend the most time with? You see, if you spend time with the D'Amelios or Addison Ray or David Dobrik, if you spend time with those people, you are going to, by default, start to think like them. You are going to start to act like them. Because by default, they are going to become your influencer, which by definition is your role model. who is it that you spend the most time with? Because you see, here's the thing. If you tell me your role model, if you tell me who influences you, if you tell me who you spend the most time with, I will tell you who and what you value. You see, because if you value Jesus, Neither Michael Jordan nor Devin Booker are going to be your role model. If you value Jesus, Elon Musk is not going to be your role model. If you value Jesus, Joe Biden is not going to be your role model. Neither are the Demelios, Addison Ray, or David Dobrik. And if you're over 50 and don't know who those people are, look them up, they're easy to find. who you spend your time with, you're going to start to think like them and you're going to start to act like them because you value them. You see, the call that Paul is giving to us today by holding up Timothy and holding up Epaphroditus is these are the kind of people you should value. People who demonstrate godly character, People who are special, who are genuine, who are faithful, people who are servants, people who are focused, people who you can call brother, coworker, fellow soldier, messenger, minister. That is the person who is the right role model. Find the right role model. And if you don't have one, Timothy and Epaphroditus are a great place to start. So not only do we need to find the right mole model, next you need to, next is two, next you need to be the right role model. See, it's not only finding the right one, you need to be the right role model. And now I know some of you are thinking to yourselves, I'm not in a position to be a role model. There's nobody I'm influenced. There's nobody that's looking to me wrong. Every single one of you listening to me has someone looking at you or to you. There is someone in your life that you are influencing. And it's not in a creeper sort of way. It's that they are looking to you to see how you are living your life. And you are either a good role model or you are a bad role model but you are modeling something for someone in your life and you don't get the opportunity to say, nope, don't want to be a role model. Charles Barkley, a number of years ago, he's NBA star, he's now on TV, does commentary and things like that. Interesting guy, he's a funny dude. A number of years ago, he said, I'm not going to be a role model, I don't want to be a role model, nobody ever look at me a role model. I'm like, wrong, Chuck. 
You are a role model because everyone is a role model to someone. Somebody is looking at you. It may be your younger brother that is looking up to you to see how you live your life. It may be that person you go to school with. It may be that person that you work with that you think never pays any attention to you. And they are watching you. And they are watching to see how you live your life. So God calls you and he calls me to be the right role model. If Paul had written these verses about you, what descriptors would he have written down? How would he have described you? Faithful? Focused? Servant? Brother? Coworker? Fellow soldier? Messenger? Minister? Special? What would Paul have written about you? You see, this is the call. Because not only do you have to have a role model, you have to be a role model, living your life for Jesus Christ so that others will see how you live so that they will be able to live more faithfully for Jesus Christ. Thirdly, look at this application. You need to see the opportunities in the ordinariness of life. Recognize the opportunities in the ordinariness of life. You see, most of us like the spotlight. We like things that are exciting. We like the, we like the, we like the fireworks. We like our lives to be popping here and there and things happen. And it's why we tune into the Dalios and Madison Ray and David Dobrik. If you ever watch a David Dobrik video, there is stuff happening all the time. That dude is crazy. And we think to ourselves, oh, to be famous like David Dobrik. Oh, that's special. But here's the thing. Most of God's work happens in the ordinariness of life. In the faithful day in and day out, the long journey of obedience. It's where God works. I was saying to somebody after the first service, they were saying, it's so great, it was great to hear this message. And I made this statement, you know what? I hope it's an encouragement for you because people in that outside world don't really care what I say. People in that world think I'm a bit crazy. He's a preacher. He's a pastor. Of course he's supposed to say that stuff. But when people watch you in the ordinary, everyday attitudes and actions of life, they get the glimpse of Jesus that they will never get from me or from Jim. It's how God intends it. He intends to use you in your life because your life matters. Look at this quote. This is just so awesome in how this works. This is a quote from Fred Craddock. He was, he's passed away. He was a former seminary professor and a noted, uh, renowned, kind of re highly regarded preacher. Listen to what he writes. To give my life for Christ appears glorious. To pour myself out for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom, I'll do it. I'm ready, Lord, to go out in a blaze of glory. We think giving our all to the Lord is like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table. Here's my life, Lord. I'm giving it all. 
But the reality for most of us is that he sends us to the bank and has us cash in the $1,000 for quarters. We go through life putting down 25 cents here and 50 cents there. Listen to the neighbor kid's troubles instead of saying, get lost. Go to a committee meeting, give a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. This makes me think of Timothy and Epaphroditus. But it also makes me think of you. Going to a Sunday school class and sitting next to the individual who's new in the Sunday school class and just saying hi. Inviting an international student over for lunch after church some Sunday. Walking over to your neighbor's house and dropping off flowers and saying hi. Working in the children's ministry and changing a one-year-old's diaper. 25 cents, 50 cents at a time. There is beauty in the ordinariness of life. And ultimately, and most frequently, that is where God shows up and uses you for his glory because your life matters. You see, God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. And it usually involves these very simple things where we serve him faithfully, where we give him the glory for what we are doing. And then people come to see not only you and your character, but more importantly, they come to see Jesus and his character. And then fourth and finally, if you'll jump back to the text, honor those who deserve it. Honor those who deserve it. Look at verse 29. So then welcome him in the Lord, that's welcome Epaphroditus, in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. Paul is instructing the Philippian church to honor Epaphroditus, to give him praise, to tell him, well done, good job, Epaphroditus. And not only Epaphroditus, those like him. Look why it's for Epaphroditus. Look at verse 30. Because he almost died for the work of Christ. He lived, he risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give me. This command to honor Epaphroditus, I don't know about to you, but to me, it is so refreshing. In Paul's day and in our time as well, we usually honor, we usually praise those who are powerful and those who are famous. And here is a guy who took a gift to Paul and almost died along the way. And Paul says, this is the type of person that you should give honor toward and to. You see, our lives should be about honoring one another. 
about recognizing the sacrifice and the service that we give on behalf of Christ to those who Jesus has brought into our lives. And in doing so, we recognize what Christ has done through them and we are recognizing them. And I know sometimes in Christian circles, we think to ourselves, oh, we're only supposed to honor Jesus. We're only supposed to give glory and praise to Jesus. And we are, and that is primary. But here it is very, very clear. Honor Epaphroditus and those like him. So who is it in your life that you need to honor? Who is it in your life that you need to recognize? Who is it in your life who has been a faithful role model, who has demonstrated what it looks like to follow Jesus? Who is it in your life who has lived their life making Jesus look good? Who is that person in your life? Honor them. Maybe you write them a note this week. Maybe you give them a call, but do not let this week pass without recognizing that person in your life. It will provide them such great encouragement. And it will also encourage you as well to continue to live your life like Jesus. I thought about this for me and I struggled all week with whether I was gonna share this because there are many people, there are many people that are part of this church that have been role models to me. But there are two people that God laid on my heart this past week that I think that if I didn't share their names, it would not be respectful of God or towards them. The first one is a man by the name of Claire DeGraff. For years and years, Claire DeGraff has demonstrated to me what it means to faithfully follow Jesus Christ. He's part of this church. He's been an elder at this church. He has spent significant time with me trying to help me live my life to make Jesus look good. And I can honestly say, without Claire DeGraff, I would not be standing here today in this position. So I'm honoring him this morning. The second person is my dad. I have grown up wanting to be my dad for as long as I can remember. Now my dad is not perfect, but my dad has lived his life like Jesus and for Jesus. And he has faithfully tried to do that year after year after year. Those are two people that God has put into my life, among others. But there are two people that God has put in my life to show me what it means to make Jesus look good. So that I, along with the Spirit's help, can serve to make Jesus look good. This is much more than a travel itinerary. It is an illustration of what it means to be a role model for Jesus Christ. Pick the right role model. Be the right role model. Recognize the opportunity that comes in the ordinariness of life and honor those in your life who live like Jesus.
Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.